0: Well, it is the day after the Super Bowl, and this is Get Your Go. I'm going to dissect the game that happened yesterday and the feeling that I have that I am still in purgatory and I am not out yet. Then, because of last night's game and just this season so far of the NFL and what's happened with sports in 2022, at least for me personally, I'm already looking ahead uh, to. You know, the 2022-2023 uh, season, the 206 days cannot come soon enough. Then I'm going to give you my top five teams in the NBA as well and react to some news in the NBA world. And then college basketball top five, AP people came out today. I'm going to react to that and what they got wrong. So let's get started with Super Bowl fifty six. Los Angeles Rams, Cincinnati Bengals. Rams beat the Bengals. I'll give it up. I'm going to say congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams. You know, you won the game. You got the rings. You'll get the banner. You'll get all that. So I'll give it up to you. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Rams. But was this more good Rams Or did the Bengals just falter? Or was there a little bit of luck in officiating that came into play? Well, I'm going to say this. To me, the Bengals' offense looked better than the Rams' offense last night. But the defense by the Bengals, or the defense by the Rams, is the thing that stood out, especially in the second half. I hope everyone learned last night that you cannot let Aaron Donald be one-on-one with anybody on the offensive line. The first half, the Rams only rushed for, and that allowed the center to double uh, Aaron Donald, and nobody else got home. Von Miller could not get home when he was one-on-one in that situation. Uh, Leonard Floyd could not get home, and any of those situations in the first half, they could not get any pressure whatsoever, no pressure at all. So I thought this is pretty good. I know the Rams are up thirteen to ten, but Joe burrow you know is protected the offensive line's doing a good job, everything's you know coming to pl- uh playing the part that you know Cincinnati is even over down at three and a half, I'm not worried about it. Then in the second half, Raheem Morris, defensive coordinator for the Rams, made some adjustments, and the Bengals did not adjust. What did they do? Well, they brought some pressure, brought a fifth man a little bit more so that Aaron Donald could have a one-on-one matchup, or they would fake the pressure just enough to where Aaron Donald had a one-on-one matchup. And when Aaron Donald's one-on-one, that affects the offensive line, uh, because now, you know, not only do you have your right guard on Aaron Donald, uh, which is, you know, you just can't have him, and that allows the right tackle to kind of creep over and look. You have Vine Miller uh, running a stunt and then getting inside because the center uh, has been faked out by somebody either rushing or if he is taking the pressure. So that allowed the defensive line to feast and sack Joe Burrow Seven times that game. Uh, And then in the second half, uh, you know, 22 dropbacks, seven sacks. It was just, you know, no protection whatsoever. And, you know, I said Joe Burrow was Tom Brady-esque. I said 2% milk. That's what he is. He's not the whole thing, but he's 2%. There's 98%. Well, yesterday... He looked like 1%. It's that 1%. 1%. Why? This is a gripe because he's got the poise, the leadership. He's got all that. Uh, the team is bought into Joe. Everybody loves Joe Burrow. But what happened? I don't know if Tom Brady's ever been sacked seven times in a game before. Is because he gets the ball out so quickly. Even against the Rams, he did not get sacked and hit as many times, you know, as he did last night in that game against the Rams, Tom Brady had Tristan works out. Uh, All-pro, best right tackle in the game. Ryan Jensen hobbled as well. Their star center. So you had an under-attacked offensive line. And what did Brady do? They got home in the first half, but Brady made adjustments and got the ball out two seconds or less. Get the ball. I know where I'm going to throw it, where I'm going to place it. Boom, boom, boom. Joe Burrow. Did not do that. He tried to hold on to the ball just a little bit long. Wait for somebody to get open. uh, And, you know, try to elude Aaron Donald. And it just didn't work. You just cannot do that. You have to get the ball out of your hand. You cannot take the sack and take the punishment all game long. And I feel like he was getting the ball out. He was doing good but he had the one drop from Tyler Boyd which probably would have been a first down and he dropped it. Only drop of year came at the most crucial time and I think after that he was, you know, waiting a half second a little too long to make his decisions and make his reads and that's what ultimately cost the Bengals this game is that the offensive line didn't hold up and Joe Burrow could not bail him out. Uh, bail the Bengals out. That's why they ultimately lost this game. So what does what does that mean? Well, it meant that that yeah. Aaron Donald should have won the MVP. Cooper Cup got the MVP. He had a good game. Eight receptions, ninety-two receiving yards, two touchdowns. Excellent, excellent game. But this game. Was not won by Cooper Cup. It wasn't won by Cooper Cup. It wasn't won by Matt Stafford either. It was won by one Aaron Donald himself. That is who won this game. Cooper Cup, that touchdown at the end, you know, it goes down as a game winning touchdown. But the thing is, there was still a decent amount of time left for the Bengals to do something uh, with the game and get them into field goal range. There was a minute and a half left, so that wasn't a game-sealing drive where it was the end, the confetti happens, they win the game on a walk-off touchdown. No. And plus, he was guarded by Eli Apple, and Uziye should have been covering him, and I don't know what they were thinking in that situation. But back to the point at hand, is that Joe Burrow, boom, had the ball in his hands to at least lead them to get to money-match range and kick a field goal, and let's go into overtime. And gets the first pass to Jamar Chase. Boom, we're already at midfield. But from there, that's when Aaron Donald takes over, and he wins this game. What does Aaron Donald do? It's third and one at around the 50-ish, 45-yard line. And Zach Taylor, head coach of the Bengals, Has the audacity to put Samaji Pirine in the game and run the football at third and one. I get trying to run the football and you know get the first down quickly. That's probably what I would have done. Great play call. But Samaji Pirine? The backup running back is who you put in. Are you kidding me? He had one rush before that. Of zero yards. The same thing happened earlier in that game. You don't give it to your Pro Bowl running back, Joe Mixon, who was carrying the Rock, who had fifteen carries for seventy two yards. You give it to Samaji Pirine with that much time left, and Aaron Donald just wallops him because he doesn't have the speed, the quickness, the elusiveness. That Joe Mixon has. So he's able to put the stop to that right now. That's one key play out of the many Aaron Donald made that game. And Zach Taylor, Samaji P. Ryan should not be in there. Third and one. Not a good play decision. And then it's fourth and one. And he keeps Samaji P. Ryan in the game as his running back decoy. Not Chris Evans, who had a crucial catch. Earlier in the game, not Joe Mixon. It's back to Samadji Pirine. Really? I mean, that is just terrible right there. Then Aaron Donald comes home free, forces Joe Burrow to do a Kyler Murray, Carson Wentz, Matthew Stafford-esque pass where he's just being flipped and just throws the ball and it is an incompletion in the vicinity of one Somaji Piran. So Aaron Donald wrecked this game. They were He was the reason why the Bengals did not go down there and get the field goal off. It was because of Aaron Donald. He should have won the MVP. It was because of his relentless pursuit of the quarterback as to why he should have won MVP. Now, don't get me wrong. Cooper Cup incredible just incredible uh postseason uh you know most receptions by a wide receiver second most uh, yards in a postseason second most touchdowns in a postseason by a wide receiver i think unanimously you pile up all the stats regular season postseason combined it's the greatest statistical uh season uh, season ever by a wide receiver but this isn't you know the postseason MVP or the combined MVP. This is just the Super Bowl MVP, and you're based on your play here in the Super Bowl. And to me, Aaron Donald should have won a Super Bowl MVP and not Cooper Cup. I'm happy Matt Stafford didn't get it, uh, but Aaron Donald should have got it. What else did I learn this game? Matt Stafford is still not that guy. He still makes bad and throws every single game this year. And I'm going to get into Matthew Stafford a lot right now is, you know, people talk about his legacy now, put him in, you know, he has one ring. So now people want to put him in the conversation. You know, he wants to join the exclusive one ring club uh, with Trent Dilfer, Joe Flacco, Aaron Rodgers. People want to talk about him and Aaron Rodgers now. I'm just not buying it. I saw Aaron Rodgers versus Matt Stafford twice a year for the past 12, 11 years, and I saw it again this year on the Rams. And Aaron Rodgers always gets the better of Matt Stafford, always. Jared Goff played better than Aaron Rodgers in the first half when he beat and when they beat him. And Dan Campbell out coached Matt Lafleur the whole game. Matt Stafford is not in the category of Aaron Rodgers. He's not even a Hall of Famer. If he retires right now, he it does not have a Hall of Fame resume. Uh what does Matt Stafford do? He makes bad decisions with the football. Last night, you know, third down and he just takes a shot that he should avoid and, you know, throw the ball away, throws it down there to Van Jefferson, intercepted. And he throws Another pass. It's off the hands of Skoranek. But the ball is just a little far in front of him. So it's tipped, intercepted. Matt Stafford makes bad decisions time and time again. That's why he led the league this year in interceptions. That's why he led the league this year in pick sixes. Because he makes bad decisions. And he's lucky last night that the bad decisions did not come to bite his team Back in the butt because he made a few bad decisions in this game because he's just not that guy. And he's never been, you know, you know that guy. He's always been that guy last night where he throws multiple interceptions in a game. That's what he is. Led the league in interceptions this year. Led the league in pick sixes this year. And he's done that three other times in his career. How many times has he made all pro? Zero times where Aaron Rodgers is just a staple At that category, Tom Brady has been a staple at that category. Tom Brady, again, multiple time Pro Bowler. Aaron Rodgers, multiple time Pro Bowler. Matt Stafford, one Pro Bowl. Should he get into the Hall of Fame with that resume of, I've thrown for a ton of yards and a ton of pick sixes, one ring? No, I don't think he is because you can make that same case with Brett Favre as, hey, he has one ring, ton of pick sixes. But what else did Brett Favre do? He won the MVP three times, all pro, multiple times, pro bowler throughout his whole career. He was a great quarterback. Matt Stafford has not been recognized as a great quarterback until this year. He had 11 years of drought and misery. One bad season does not make up for that. And he also has a losing record as a quarterback. To me, Hall of Fame is the best of the best. And no person with a losing record should be able to get in the Hall of Fame. That should be an automatic disqualification is if you have a losing record because great players just don't lose and Matt Stafford is a consecutive loser. That's what he is. So no, he should not be in the Hall of Fame at all uh, or in that conversation and the Hall of Fame or this cements his legacy because if he gets into the Hall of Fame Then everybody with one ring in their life should get into the Hall of Fame. Joe Flacco should be in the Hall of Fame uh, for that matter. So let's pump the brakes there on any of this great talk. Now, if Matt Stafford does this the next four to five years, and, you know, is great. Super Bowl contender every single time. You know, gets more MVPs. Good. Hats off to him. But based right now on his resume, again, He is not that guy. He has the same amount of Pro Bowls as Mac Jones has. Mac Jones is a rookie. Put that into consideration. What else did I learn? Last night, I learned that Jalen Ramsey is vastly overrated by the entirety of the NFL. I thought this year that he was a little overrated. I saw Mike Evans burn him. I've seen Debo burn him. Brandon Ayuk turn him around. I've seen pet, uh, a lot of catches allowed on Jalen Ramsey or in the vicinity of Jalen Ramsey. And he got what he wanted last night. And what happens? Jamar Chase gets like a 50-yard completion on Jalen Ramsey in the first half. Just does some. And there's pass interference that should have been called on him as well if he gets tangled. But Jamar Chase is that guy. And gets him down on the ground. So Jalen Ramsey gets burned. All of that, then he interferes with Higgins on the touchdown route as well. That wasn't called. So you have that one there. But then he gets redemption and catches the seventy-five yard touchdown on Jalen Ramsey. Then again, late in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, Jamar Chase again burns Jalen Ramsey. So. Is Jalen Ramsey the best cornerback in the league? Sure, I can say he's good. He's a lot better, but is there a lot of great cornerbacks in the league? No. Is Jalen Ramsey there with Prime Richard Sherman back in the day with Revis Island, Prime Time Deion Sanders? No, he is not at that level. He is nowhere near that level of greatness. He has bad nights, a lot of bad nights. He has a lot of good catches, and we want to praise Jalen Ramsey as this guy. Jalen Ramsey says he's been the best for a while now. No, you are not. You have got exposed. And Joe Burrow, that's one great thing he did last night. He was not afraid of Jalen Ramsey. He took his shots to his guys, trusted him, trusted them, and all the time it worked out well because he didn't throw one interception. So he did just fine, and he put the world on notice saying, hey, Jalen Ramsey isn't that guy. You should not be afraid of him either. I think Jalen Ramsey, this, you know, he was an all-pro, you know, Pro Bowl selection cornerback. I think this is the last time he gets that all-pro nod. He might get it for name, but the next two years, I think he'll be on a steep decline. I don't see Jalen Ramsey having any great, you know, seasons. Anymore uh, after this. Again, this just reiterates the fact that Jamar Chase, he is that guy. He's He's a top 10 wide receiver already in the game. An argument could be made. He could be top five. He is just the real deal. Insane moments by him. Just a great wide receiver. And the last thing I learned is that the officiating was bad. Uh, It was inconsistent uh, last night. They let them play until the end of the game. They let some calls go on Jalen Ramsey, offensive pass interference on Higgins. They let things go. Until the final drive of the game, that's when they decided not to let things go, which was Matt Stafford's touchdown drive to Cooper Cup. They decided to call Wilson on a third down for defensive holding, and there was nothing there. Mike Pereira, rules analysis from Fox, said there was nothing there. He didn't tug on the jersey, didn't hold him in a way to where it impeded on the ball. It was a good play, and they call a penalty on that, and then on top of that, that same play, the right guard was offside, so that play never should have happened as well. So that's they missed. And it was its just bad when a game like the Super Bowl is under a microscope that it is. And I know officiating, those uh, uh, officials are imperfect. They're going to get calls wrong, miss some calls. But ones like that, that are just, you know, so ticky-tack in the severity of the moment was just bad. Uh That they had to call that game to where it should have been, you know, fourth and goal, you know, right there at the eight or whatever it was for the game, instead of giving it to them at the four, which led to the other pass interference down at the end zone, and then you know they were able to score. So just bad, you know, officiating in the final two minutes of the game. It was great for so long, but they utterly. Botched it late. Now that I've given my kudos uh, to the Rams, what's next for the Bengals? I honestly think the Bengals can definitely get back to this uh, moment, back to the Super Bowl. Great team. Joe Burrow, top five quarterback in the league. Jamar Chase, top threat, one of the best receiving cores with Higgins, Boyd, uh, Jamar Chase. Joe Mixon as well. Defense, Trey Hendrickson, I think, uh, maybe add another pass rusher as well. Somebody on the line to help him out. Uh, But the defense, Awuzie, Bell, they're good players. Bates, good players. Uh, Maybe another cornerback, get rid of Eli Apple. But the one thing is offensive line. You've got to protect Joe Burrow, and that's how you get back to this moment, is if you – stockpile offensive linemen that will help because you're in a competitive conference. You're with the bills. You're with the chiefs. Uh, you've got the Ravens who might be back with Lamar Jackson. Uh, you've got the Titans as well. Patriots. You've got all these teams to contend with. What do you have to do? You just have to get better and not say, Hey, you know, take this Joe Burrow, you know, didn't guarantee that we'll be back, but he said, you know, he's proud. Uh, and says, you know, next time. Uh, didn't make any crazy promises, but played it cool like he is. He's Joe Cool. I thought he outplayed Matthew Stafford. The defense, you know, for Cincinnati, the rush defense, phenomenal. I held Cam Akers to 1.6 yards, 13 carries, 21 yards. Daryl Henderson, 1.8. They could not get anything going rushing. You know, picked off Matthew Stafford twice. Uh, it really came down to Aaron Donald making big plays. And that's why he should have won the MVP. And that's why it's a crime that he's not. Just robbery. Uh, but now we'll see. You know, will Aaron Donald retire? That was reported before the game. You know, that would be a huge loss for the Los Angeles Rams. You know, moving forward, that the best defensive player in football, they don't have anymore. That would be a severe hit to the Rams, because that opens up everything that they do on defense and can do. Uh, And now what's next for this team as well? You got OBJ, looked like an ACL injury yesterday. That was uh, scary looking. Uh, Von Miller, free agent, you know, he says he expects to explore free agency. So we'll see the makeup of this team going forward. Uh, But again, I'll give my one more Congratulations uh, to the Rams. So this year, I have to say, has already been, at least just for me personally, such a crappy year for sports. It's just been that, that bad. I rug in the new year with Michigan being slaughtered by Georgia, that bad. Then Georgia went on to win the national title, which, you know, hurt Even more that Alabama could not beat them again. Then Tom Brady retires on top of all this mess after they lose to the Rams. And that really pains me. Uh, Then last night, Chris Collinsworth, Al Michaels' last game. I think they're tremendous broadcasters. So one final time. That was emotional. Then the Rams win the Super Bowl. And Joe Shiesty hurts his knee. I mean, this has been bad. We're only two months in. And for me personally, it's just been that bad. Uh, Now, to me, only two things can make this season uh, worse. Is if uh, some team from a Metro division in the NHL wins a Stanley Cup, such as the Rangers, Capitals, Flyers uh hurricanes that'll make it worse and if the Phoenix Suns win the NBA uh title, that can only uh worsen it and just stretch out the misery even more. But it's been it's been a bad start to the first two months. So I'm looking ahead to two hundred and six days from now, no more off season, no more talk about the Rams, but of course I'll have to hear the Rams as remaining champions until next year where I know they will not repeat. So I'm already looking ahead to 2022, 2023, moving forward. Who are my top five teams moving forward till next year? Number five, Green Bay Packers. Why? Well, their defense much improved as it's been. Hired Rich Passaccia as their special teams coordinator. One of the best in the business as well to fix it. That should improve, you know, be league worst special teams unit. And on offense. As much as I would love to see Aaron Rodgers and Devontae team up somewhere else, as much as Aaron Rodgers touted his future as a beautiful mystery, as, you know, one last dance, I'm not buying it. He's not leaving. Devontae's not leaving. They'll go to salary cap hell and beyond to retain Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. They'll offer him a fifty million a year contract. Aaron will sign it, and they'll be where they are every year. One of the best teams in the NFC regular season and lose before we get to the Super Bowl. But that still means they're dangerous moving forward with Aaron Rodgers, who just won his fourth MVP, back-to-back MVPs. Uh, This is a dangerous team who still has Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, uh, David Bakhtiari will be back healthy, Jair Alexander will be back healthy as well. This will be a dangerous unit. Next year, maybe they'll make it past the divisional round. Maybe make it to the title game, but we'll see. Number four, the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, I think they'll be back. I think they'll improve the offensive line. I think they know where their weaknesses are. And I think this is a team, you know, that will just use the loss that they have yesterday as fuel. As fuel. And they will get better. His team will get better. Joe Burrow, this was his first full year starting. Last year, he only played like six games. So next year, it's just another year for him. Him and Jamar Chase, you know, already have some of the best chemistry in the league. So, you know, I just think it's a matter of fine-tuning things in the offensive line uh, and not, you know, doing anything out of ordinary. And you got Money Mac as your kicker. So to me, this team is in good hands. You've got the Cleveland Browns, who are in dire straits with Baker. They're not contenders at all. you got the Pittsburgh Steelers as well, uh, who Big Ben retired, and you kind of owned them twice this year. you got the Ravens to contend with, but Lamar Jackson, you know, injuries now piling up, and uh, just the way Joe Burrow shredded that defense. I look at them to be the top team in their division. I don't see them missing the playoffs or having this be some one-hit wonder. Number three, the Los Angeles Rams. Wow, usually I have you know a team that just won the Super Bowl as you know, the best team. That's why I had the Bucs so much. Number one, what changed? I believe if the Rams had played the two teams I'm about to name, they would not have won the Super Bowl last night. It would have been a very different story because of the offensive line protection. The Los Angeles Rams are the Super Bowl champions. You know, Matt Stafford will be back. Cooper Cup will be back. You know, we'll see about OBJ, how long his recovery takes. Robert Woods still has to recover as well. Uh, So you might look for them to make some move uh, as well. Andrew Whitworth, I think he'll retire. you have to look at the left tackle as well as a position of upgrade. Defense. You know, I think the linebackers can get better. Secondary was injured throughout the postseason run. They'll be back. But, you know, this is the best team in the NFC. The two teams I'm about to name are AFC teams. But these are the two best. This is the best team in the NFC. They proved it this year. They won the Super Bowl. Again, they're team number three. Number two, the Buffalo Bills. Last time we saw the Buffalo Bills, I don't know, Josh Allen had just the best game of his career. Uh, Gabriel Davis went off, and they still had Stephon Diggs, and they didn't even need to use him. The design runs with Josh Allen look were great if you use them sparingly. It's amazing what you can do with Josh Allen. The defense wasn't sharp the last time we saw them, but overall, the regular season, number one defense in the league, past defense, was great. Anchored by safety is Hoyer and uh, Micah Hyde. Just or Poyer and Micah Hyde. Uh, just great. Tre'Davious White, who tore his ACL. He'll need to recover, but if he's back, he's one of the premier cornerbacks in the league. Uh, so that will be big for him, big for his uh, team. And then I think draft. You just focus on defense, defense, defense. More defensive line and linebackers to get to the quarterback uh, in coverage for running backs. But I think they would have beat the Los Angeles Rams. Who else would I would have thought? Maybe this makes me think that I wish you know, the Bengals didn't beat the Chiefs. Yes, the Chiefs are number one. Why? They got Patrick Mahomes. With Tom Brady retiring, he is one of the best, if not the best, quarterbacks left in the game, and he's like 26 years old. It's him and Rodgers, right there. But I like Patrick Mahomes. Give me Patrick Mahomes. Give me Tyreek Hill. Give me Travis Kelsey, an offensive line that improved. The rookie center who is just amazing, of uh, this year. Uh, defense improved as well uh, with uh, Spag in the second half of the year. Chris Jones, Frank Clark, the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. Secondary played better. This Kansas City Chiefs team was one of the most complete Chiefs team, I thought, and they squandered it to the Bengals. I don't think they do that to the Rams, but this, to me, is still the best team with the best staff of Andy Reid. There's uncertainty around Eric enemy, his future with the Chiefs, but this is the number one team to me still. Moving forward is the Kansas City Chiefs. So those are my top five teams. Looking ahead till next year, 206 days away, the Green Bay Packers, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Los Angeles Rams, the Buffalo Bills, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Now moving on to the NBA. In NBA news, Pat Connaughton, guard for the Milwaukee Bucks, is having... Surgery uh, on a fractured metacarpal in his right hand. But he's expected to return before the end of the season. And this really comes at the worst time for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, because Pat Connaughton, to me, has been playing you know really good career highs and scoring 10 points a game. Three-point shooting, 41%, playing 27 minutes just playing a huge role and that's sort of a reason why they traded Dante DiVincenzo is because Pat Connaughton playing great, Grayson Allen playing good as well, so we really don't need, you know, a third person in the rotation, we need to get bigger. So this hurts them knowing that they just traded Dante DiVincenzo. And you're just left with Grayson Allen. Now, now you have to look to the buyout market, Goran Dragić a possibility. I think it is. I think you have to kind of go out and sign a veteran, you know, shooting guard, you know, to eat up some of those minutes that Pat Connaughton has. I don't think you'll find anyone that's kind of had the production and chemistry. Even Chris Middleton, you know, Coach Budenholzer said, Hey, Connaughton's just been balling, playing really good this year for our team. And he has, so this is a big loss in depth for the Milwaukee Bucks. This isn't, you know, a Middleton or Giannis type of loss, but this is still a substantial hit that the Bucks will have to take, and it's just another big one that's kind of been a trying season for the Bucks to try to get back and repeat. And maybe it just doesn't look good to repeat. You had the Bucks in the NFL not repeat, and could you have the Bucks in the NBA not repeat? And something I don't agree with is, you know, Kevin Durant saying Harden doesn't owe an explanation to anybody. He says he's his own man, makes his own decision. He doesn't owe anybody an explanation. And KD said he wasn't looking for one. He said he didn't need it. Kyrie Irving said the same thing, echoed the same sentiment. Now, what are you talking about, Kevin Durant? You're a man who pushed To trade, you know, to get this guy, your friend James Harden, played together in OKC, reunited here in Brooklyn. Are you guys friends? You don't need an apology? What's going on with that? And to me, this just sparked something bigger with the Nets team. There is no leadership and there is no ownership of what happens in the game or off the court. It's kind of just... A free play, like, I'll go and do my own thing. You guys do my own thing. And hopefully it all works in the end. And that's kind of what the Nets are at. And it just shows their lack of chemistry. A team leader there where people look to Kevin Durant as that guy. You know, a top three player in the NBA. And you can't really look to him for leadership. Because he doesn't need an explanation. He doesn't need accountability. For anything, He doesn't expect that, doesn't demand greatness like the greats have, the LeBron James, the Michael Jordans, you know, the Kobe Bryants. Kevin Durant does not have that leadership mentality. To me, I think Giannis definitely has it more. and That's why I think those are players, you know, when I look through the timeline of events, you know, that's why Kevin Durant's never, to me, been the best player on the planet for one full t- statistical season. It's been LeBron for so long. Kawhi Leonard had his time. Uh, Mil- uh, Giannis has had his time. But it's hard for me to make that case with KD when he's not a true leader. That segues in to my NBA top five. So who are my top five teams now that were post-deadline, We're more than halfway through the year? Who's made the cut? To my top five. Well, number five is the Milwaukee Bucks. Why? Well, this is a team to me that is still very, very dangerous uh, when all their starters are healthy. When Drew Holiday's playing, Giannis, Chris Middleton, they are just that good. And I know Brooklyn and the Nets have just made kind of a lateral move. But Milwaukee is still the defending, reigning champ, champs, and it's hard to beat them with all three of their superstars in the lineup, playing at such a high level, because everybody else has two. You have uh, the Sixers, which I love the move, got Harden, but it's Harden indeed. that's it, but Nets. It's just KD. He's injured. Kyrie's a part-time player. Ben Simmons can't shoot, can't run, can't shoot free throws. I mean, it's just not that guy. So Milwaukee, I think, is still in a great spot and is in a prime position to get back to the NBA Finals. And I think anything less than the conference championship or finals is a disappointment to that team. But who do I think is the one team that can match them in the East? Well, that's at number four. That's the Miami Heat. Why? Well, this is a team that just plays really well balanced basketball on both the offensive and defensive ends of the court. I've seen the defensive presence now. A Bam on a bio now. These back the extra level. Of this unlocks for the team. And you got legitimate stars. You got Bam. You got Jimmy Butler. You got Kyle Lowry. Kyle your Hero, great six man. So this team again is playing really well. And this is a team. That's beat this team right here with the Giannis, the great Giannis Antetokounmpo, and has the defensive structure, and the coach, Eric Fulstra, to stop them. To me, this is a conference championship, you know, finals. It's going to be the Heat and the Bucks. Those are two teams I like that's been there before with the veteran leadership, the poise, the team, the players. That's what it has. Those, are to me, are two of the best teams. now, who is number three? The Memphis Grizzlies. Yes, to me, John Moran is still in the MVP conversation, has been just sensational. They've got 40 wins uh, as well. Uh, Third best team in the league. You know, they score a ton of points a game at 113.6, a point differential at around five. They're on a five-game winning streak. I mean, this Memphis Grizzlies team is for real. They're young. They're athletic. Not only do they have Ja, but they got Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks will be back in the fold soon. This is a good team in the Memphis Grizzlies. They can't be counted out. They've beat the Suns. They've beat the Warriors. They've beat the top teams. Uh, They're not afraid of anybody. This is a team that's for real. Number two, the Golden State Warriors, the Warriors are still a great team to me. They're one of the best defensively. They slipped offensively since Steph Curry is in the midst of a shooting uh, slump himself. But they still have the second highest point differential in the league. They've won eight out of their past ten games. Clay Thompson heating up just, you know, annihilated the Lakers. On his own. Uh, no credit to Steph, Draymond wasn't in the game. It was all clay. If Clay is back in the fold like that, I expect Steph to heat up quite shortly and the splash bros could officially officially be back. You know, just great win by Golden State. I think it's great for Clay Thompson to get hot like that because those are the spurts I've seen them on where he just takes control of the game. If he takes control like that, uh, Golden State can definitely come out of the West. But who's number one? It's the Phoenix Suns. They've been the most consistent team. After that one and three start to the season, that seems like so long ago. They have been the most consistent team, sitting at forty six and ten. You know, the highest point differential at eight point three. You know, points per game are at number two at 113.7, 0.1 behind the Charlotte Hornets. So to me, you can put them right there tied for first. They're also on a five-game winning streak. They've won nine out of their past 10. Again, they've got the chemistry in a team that made it to the NBA Finals uh, last year with the Devin Booker playing sensational basketball. Chris Paul leading the league in assists. DeAndre Ayton has been playing good. Miles Bridges, or my bad, Mikhail Bridges, uh cam johnson cameron payne they've all been playing well and they all understand their role they don't do anything extra they don't force the ball devin booker doesn't try to you know do be the everything from the team he knows his role and he stays in his role chris paul knows his role he doesn't he stays in his role he doesn't go outside the lines or boundaries you know like russell westbrook does and turn the ball over a thousand times a game because he doesn't know his role Uh, And that's why the Phoenix Suns are number one. They're coached by Monty Williams, who's doing terrific. So those are my top five teams in the NBA. The Milwaukee Bucks, the Miami Heat, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Golden State Warriors, and the Phoenix Suns. And tonight there's two games on. First is the Spurs and the Bulls. And to me, I kind of want to pick the Spurs as an upset You know, Zach Levine won't be in seeing the specialist uh, for his knee. You have Caruso uh, out as well, Uh, Lonzo Ball out. So I look at this team, and I see the injuries, and I say, can DeMar DeRozan put the team on his back? I think this will be a very close game. But I think Chicago just ekes out with the win. I just think they get the win to me, you know, been a little bit hotter in their past few games than the Spurs. The Spurs can definitely, you know, upset any team because that's what they're built to do. But I don't think they have the upset tonight on the Bulls. Close game, but I like uh, the Spurs. I mean, I like the Bulls. Then Warriors and the Clippers. I'm thinking of Warriors. Uh, still, you know, no Paul George. You won't see Kawhi this year. So the Clippers, you know, should be a team that's dead in the water. And it looks like they'll make the play-in. But tonight, there's no Norman Powell as well, who we just acquired. So I'm rolling with the Golden State Warriors. I just think it's two overmatched now. Can the Clippers pull an upset again? Another team that's primed to do that and has done that this season. I just don't think it's something that they do tonight. I like Golden State Warriors. Even in Steph Curry in a shooting slump, I'll still pick them. Klay Thompson, that's what I'll pick. But one just maybe surprise betting nugget for everybody out there is you've got the Nets on a 10-game losing streak or 11-game losing streak. They face the Kings tonight. The Kings are 22-36. and 36. The Nets are 29-27. and 27. The Nets are two-point underdogs to the Kings The Kings are the favorite in this game. Can you believe that? And why is that? Well, they've got no KD still. He's injured. Ben Simmons, he's still MIA. Still not playing. Kyrie Irving, this is a home game. So technically, he can't play, won't play tonight. So that leaves kind of their big two and a half out. Or actually, it's a big one plus two part-time players. And what else do you have? You have Seth Curry out with the trade pending. You got Andre Drummond out. You probably have Lamarcus Aldridge out. You got Joe Harris still out. I mean, this team has just been hit by everything. This poor, poor Brooklyn Nets team uh, can't get going. And when they do eventually next month or in April, it's going to, we're going to have to ask, is it just too late? Is it just too late? Because it just might be. Too late. They'll get the play in. They'll get the playoffs. But is that it for this team this year? Then Michigan football got some new coordinators already. Mike McDonald went to the Ravens, replaced him with Minter uh, from the Vanderbilt Commodores, who was a defensive coordinator there. I think it's a great hire, Jim Harbaugh touts it as a seamless fit and transition. And I think it is, you know, mentor was on the same staff with McDonald in the Baltimore Ravens for years until he came to Vanderbilt this past year. So I do think it'll be a seamless transition and fit. I'm excited for it. I don't think they lose, you know, a ton of drop off there between McDonald and mentor. I think it will be good. Again, I think it's going to come down to players and you know what you got there. But that to me, Big hire uh, for Michigan uh, to kind of ease the pain. And then you had Josh Gaddis leave to Miami. To me, that's a bit of a downgrade to be the Miami offensive coordinator. Don't think My- Miami and Mario Cristobal are doing anything. Uh, Miami is not worth the hype at all. But Michigan you know, promotes their offensive line coach, I believe, more. And then the quarterback, Coach Weiss, going to be co-offensive coordinators. We've seen this system work in Alabama before. I think it will be just fine here. And Michigan, their offensive line, one of their strongest groups, their quarterbacks as well last year K and J.J. McCarthy were great. So I have total confidence in this. It's just, you know, the key is, did Jim Harbaugh lose, you know, the momentum that they had with his little search of the Super Bowl with the Minnesota Vikings? You know, that's going to be the only cloud-hanging and that's actually going to be the scapegoat too. Is if Michigan, you know, does not perform well this season, it's going to be because Jim Harbaugh didn't buy into this program. He tried to leave and he couldn't leave, and he came back out here. He's just not into it, and that's why they're just not a good team. That's what the media is going to say. That's what every outlet's going to say. I'll have that one percent, but a lot of it's going to be him coaching. You know, the plays, people leaving. That's going to be what's That's what it's really going to come down to, you know, not this dark cloud surrounding Michigan of, you know, Jim Harbaugh and him wanting to leave. And now I'm going to wrap up, you know, with this, uh, with the AP Top 25 in college basketball, is Gonzaga, Auburn, switch spots. Auburn's now number two, Gonzaga won after Auburn lost this week to Arkansas in overtime, mind you, on a road game. But they did come back and beat Texas A&M. I thought Auburn, you know, SEC, much tougher conference than, you know, the West Coast Conference that Gonzaga's in. I thought Auburn should still be number one. I thought Arizona should at least get a first place vote, you know, having two losses with Auburn and Gonzaga. I think Kentucky is great there in the top five. I thought Purdue, you know, shouldn't be after Michigan just beat the breaks off of them and then beating Maryland by one point. Uh, I thought a team, you know, like, uh, you know, maybe Baylor uh, should be in or Kansas, uh, probably Baylor's and say beat Texas and Kansas State this week, you know, but Kansas beat them two weeks ago, but Kansas lost to Texas. So college basketball is just insane. Duke. You know, lost to uh, Virginia, but they've just won two in a row since then. So, what have you? This is just a crazy college basketball uh, week. So that now, now that NFL season is over, are you happy with the NFL season? And what are you looking forward to next? Whether it be sports wise or your team, let me know by going to Apple Apple Podcast, writing a review with your question. I will take a look at them and hopefully answer any questions or comments that you put in there for me. Looking forward to it. This has been Get Your Go. Talk to you guys soon. Bye everybody.